It's some, some summertime and Team OTG is throwing it back to our Meet the Host episode. We wanted to make sure you know all of our secrets before our live show in San Diego this September. That's right. Our recent girls trip to Nashville was so nice. We're doing it twice. This time in San Diego. Follow us on the gram at Megan B. Murphy, at NYC FitFam, at Heidi Christopher, and at Off the Gram Podcast as we reveal the details, including how you can join us. Little teaser, who's up for a wild time with a VIP safari at the San Diego Zoo? Want more info? DM us at Off the Gram Podcast on Instagram or shoot Jamie a note. She's Jamie at OffTheGramPodcast.com. And we'll get you hooked up. Snag your spot before they're all gone. And now, meet Heidi. Yoga teaches us all so many things. And it teaches us how to be strong from the inside. And how we are on the mat is how we are off the mat 100% of the time. So you practice how you want to live on your mat. And that lets you live the life of your dreams off the mat. Welcome back to Off The Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Yay! Hi! Nailed it, Megan. Nailed it again. Hi, guys. It's Jamie here. Well, today's guest is certainly someone you may have heard of. She is our very own co-host, Heidi Christopher. Woo! (laughs) Welcome to the show, Heidi. Thanks for giving us your time today. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) As you may remember, we started a series a few months ago where we turn the tables on one of us each month, interviewing each other for a deep dive into our own lives. Christine was first, I was next, and last time we did Megan, and this time it's Heidi's turn for our final installment of the series. Believe it or not, Heidi and I grew up in the same town, went to the same high school, worked together when I was in PR because Heidi was an ambassador for a brand I represented, but we actually didn't know each other until one of our mutual connections landed me in her Crossflow X class when I was pregnant with Asher. And the rest is, of course, history, events, family vacations, and this podcast followed. In case you didn't know, Heidi is a mom to three tiny humans, all of whom she had in the space of two years. That's right. Super mama. She's also the mom to her Crossflow yoga app and Crossflow X. She's the creator and producer of Microsoft Bing Fitness Yoga and, and MSN Yoga. That was a mouthful, but basically if you have like Microsoft software in your computer and there's like the yoga program in there, Heidi designed it. Yes, she's a BFD. I'm sorry. She is. She's a wellness expert and has contributed, of course, to multiple publications and platforms. She was rated one of the hottest trainers in America by Shape Magazine. Fire Girl, most inspiring yoga teachers in the world by Do You Yoga and most popular instructors in NYC by Rate Your Burn and Class Pass. Heidi can often be seen featured as an expert on television and in magazines worldwide. A former award-winning actress of stage, film, and television, a graduate of Cornell University, Heidi makes it her mission to bring happiness, strength, and self-belief to everyone she can through every medium available to her. We are excited to dive in a little deeper, but first, Megan, what do you have for our weekly catch-up, girl? Okay, so circling back on last week's super inspiring, amazing live event show with Katherine Schwarzenegger Pratt talking about her book, The Gift of Forgiveness. We want to know what is the biggest act of forgiveness you ever made and how did it go? 
Whew, I got to take a deep breath for this one. I think all of us do. It's like a deep breath moment. I'm like, who wants to start? I'll I mean, start. I'll start. Yeah, oh, you start, Megan. You start. I, so my act, my biggest act of forgiveness didn't go so well. Um, it was something I had, I had wronged a friend. I had talked about a topic, a, a toxic friendship actually on our podcast. Um, when that podcast aired, um, some feelings were hurt. And I recognized that and attempted to apologize. Um, I reached out. I called. No answer. Um, ultimately, I sent a text that remains unanswered to this day, which was just like, I wronged you. I'm sorry. And you you are owed my deepest apology. Um, and I didn't get closure on that. And I will remain forever wrong. And sometimes I think that's how apologies go. It's selfish for me to actually want forgiveness. But I did put the apology out there. It's very human, though. Um, I have, you know, I have like all these issues with my, my dad, right. As many people have issues with their parents. And it's so funny. Cause I always looked at him as like, oh, you know, he's a difficult person. And he probably thought I was a difficult person because, you know, we're family members. We push each other's buttons because we installed them. You know what I mean? It's like, we know where those buttons are. They're so, they're so pushable. And, uh, somebody like made it clear to me when I started on kind of my spiritual journey that like. First of all, we never see our parents as human, right? We see them as parents. So they're supposed to be perfect. And when you become an adult and you see them in their own humanness, it's really eye-opening, isn't it? Like, I was like, oh, he's an imperfectly perfect being having a human experience. I'm a, a imperfectly perfect being having a human experience. Like, we can both have character defects and just allow each other to to have that. But what she really did, this person who helped me, was she she taught me to reframe it. She was like, well... Let me ask you a question. I know a lot of people's people whose fathers, you know, never said I love you or they abused them or they're no longer here. So your father, none of those things are true. Uh, he loves you. He's just a difficult personality. So so how could you how could you sit with that different? And I was like, oh, and all of a sudden it wasn't my problem anymore. It was just these two humans in in the ethos, trying to understand each other and have a human experience. And I was able to see him in his, in his character defects and his frailties and his shortcomings and realize that I have them too. And if I want others to be kind and gentle with me, then I have to do that with them. And it reframed my entire way of thinking. I mean, I used to end every phone call with my father hanging up the phone and throwing it across the damn room. I was so frustrated with him. I was so frustrated. I couldn't talk to him. And ever since then, it completely reframed our experience. And in that moment, I forgave him and I allowed him to be himself. And I also expected him. I also stopped expecting him, excuse me, to be different. Because if I expect him to be different on any single conversation we have, I'm setting myself up for disappointment. And that's actually not on him. That's on me. Huh, that's brilliant. And that's I also so totally wise. misunderstood the question because I didn't actually, my, I was asking for forgiveness, but I wasn't still, there's still acts of forgiveness. I think mine's going to be that way as well. I, um, I mean, it's still to this day, I'm not sure of the outcome as well, but I 
way back actually when I was at Women's Day, um, one of the people I worked with was a sweetheart. I don't want to get too into it because I don't want anyone, I don't want to say names, but um, it's like that navigating, you know, friendship, working with somebody, overstepping and, you know, you let them in too much. And then there's like this ex- expectation and it turned into sort of like a one-sided friendship where, you know, she was expecting, expecting, expecting. I was trying to give, give, give. And there was like moments of very odd jealousy. You know, if I couldn't show up for something, tears appeared and, and it was almost like single white female. It got a little crazy. And I was asked to be in her wedding and I kind of had to just like stop it and cut it off. And I was trying to do it politely and, and, you know, the best way possible without hurting any feelings. We still work together. Um, and it just, it, it was really hard to navigate. And to this day, we still don't speak. She's, she left, you know, I think she left the industry. Um, but I tried so hard to do it in a way that was kind and caring and not hurting any feelings and also trying to explain myself, you know, where I was coming from, um, and asking for that forgiveness, but it was just, it was too tainted. And I had never thought I could ever tell someone I couldn't be in their wedding, but it was just, it was getting so escalated. And the expectation was so much that I just couldn't do it. So I guess same kind of situation, Megan, you just don't, sometimes you, you do what you can and you're, you know, you're putting yourself out there, but I don't know that I was ever forgiven. <laughs> But can I say, Christine, because it sounds to me like what you were doing was setting a boundary and protecting yourself. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's just my take on it. it. Yeah. It's just my take on it. And what what I'm also hearing is that obviously you you didn't want to hurt her feelings because you're a kind person and a kind friend. And that's fine, too. However, it sounds like she might have some some toxic leanings, right? Yeah. <laughs> she, might, she might have some issues with her own personal confidence or boundaries. Terrible dependency. Have a lot to say. Yeah. I think you stood up for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I guess maybe she'll forgive me or maybe, yeah, maybe I'm forgven. We just, it, we lost, you know, touch. Maybe you I think need she to forgive yourself. Yes. Yes. No, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm fine with it. But I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to actually tell yeah. someone? No, no, I was actually mean. <laughs> you were not. <laughs> <laughs> well, weddings are very touch. I mean, some people, it's just a bad time all around, you know, it gets very sensitive. So I tried. What about you, Heidi? Uh, I'm so I'm like, I'm going to purchase an even different angle because I, I grew up in a, I don't ever talk about my childhood because it was so toxic. Um, and I'm just like, I feel like when people are still living, it's just not a place I'm willing to go. Um, but, uh, what that, resulted in was a child me forgiving way too much and basically apologizing for my existence rather than like there was no question of forgiveness when I was wronged over and over and over again slash abused um it was like, of course, of course, of course, I'm going to, I'll even say I'm sorry and make it all better. And I was like the peacemaker and that was my role. And um, so my work was actually stopping asking for forgiveness for everything because my gut reaction as many women it doesn't run as like deep rooted for many women but many women just apologize all the time um but I really my work was actually not apologizing and actually just being okay with existing and doing what I've done and um so it was a big big deal for me to not forgive one of the main figures in my life um and to cut her out of my life um, so that was, 
it was the other side of it. I'm a, I'm the first to forgive, like to, to a big fault. I, I just keep letting toxic people come back and come back and come back. And, you know, Jamie, to your point about Christine's story, not setting a boundary. Um, but it's just because I have so, I have too much and I was, you know, I was like wired this way to, as I was brought up to have to forgive no matter what had happened and to just move on and forgive and move on and forgive no matter what the wrong was. So for me, it's like a, it's a real process of um, just understanding, did I actually wrong the person or am I just saying, I'm sorry, because that's what I think I'm supposed to do. And because I can't deal with the discomfort. So it's, you know, it's not quite answering the question, but it's, it is in that, like, I, I, I stopped doing the auto forgiveness for this one person who was harming me over and over and over again. And I, I went to see Wayne Dwyer right before he passed. Um, and he had just written a book on forgiveness and I was, you know, Hey House had sent me an advanced copy and I was so angry reading the book because he was talking about forgiving his dad who'd been dead for like decades. And I was like, well, yeah. It's super easy to forgive someone who's dead and can't hurt you anymore. But if they're alive and they can still hurt you, if you let them back into your life, that's a big thing. And what I learned from that, and then I'll stop talking about this, was was there's a difference between forgiving someone and allowing them back into your life. You can forgive someone and not give them access to you. And that was a really huge life lesson for me and one I will probably continue learning forever. Hmm. I love that. That's exactly. I, wonder, oh, I was just going to say, that's exactly what I was like hearing, Heidi, because I think that the forgiveness work is your own personal work to do. And the the word resentment, literally, you know, if from the Latin, it means just to, to re-feel, to feel again, to bring up the feeling again. So we don't always have part in the wrongdoing, but we have a part in drudging it back up and feeling bad about it personally over and over and over forgiveness in our own heart can be different than the actual boundaries we set in real life, I think. <sighs> That's why we love Terry Cole coming on our show to talk about boundaries. Yes, she'll be back right later this <laughs> yeah. month. Thank God. Thank God. Oh, oh, <laughs> well, should we dive into a topic that might actually help with our feelings? Yoga. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Christine. <laughs> okay, let me take it away. Is yoga a magic pill? There are claims that this ancient practice is the fountain of youth, healer of whatever ails you, mood leveler, body, perfect body maker, and so much more. Our guest today and co-host, Heidi Christopher, avoided multiple surgeries and healed her spine using yoga. And now her own CrossFlow yoga app, which in case you guys don't know already, I'm sure you do, I'm obsessed with, and it has changed my life too. Um, so she can share these practices that have helped her so much with as many people as possible. So we want to know, Heidi, what is the deal? Is yoga all that it's cracked up to be? Why did you leave your glamorous acting career to teach sweaty people in small NYC studios? And is yoga what makes you such a happy human? Because you are. I mean, you're glowing all the time from ear to ear smiles. Um, help those of us who truly don't get it. What is it about yoga that actually works? And why did you make it your life? I can't wait to hear more on this, Heidi. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. It. I mean, I kind of get it. I do. I do get it now. And I, at first, I didn't. Um, yoga. I was just one of those people who said, like, "Oh, it's sitting and breathing." But lots of different teachers, especially people like you, have taught me that there's so much more to yoga. So I can't wait for you to share. Well, can we just start though? Because like, I don't know that people at home realize what that glamorous acting career was. I know I'm obsessed. So, so can we <laughs> talk about? 
what preceded the yoga and then how you got to the yoga? Uh, okay. <laughs> but like Heidi, I'm like, cause we're, we've only been friends for a couple years now. I like, where were, where did you grow up? Like I need the backstory. Like, come on. All the things, Judy. <laughs> okay, well, Jamie and I both grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut. Oh, yeah, duh. Okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I was a professional musical theater actor at the age of 13. And to be perfectly honest, again, not something I talk about much, but I think the reason that I gravitated so much to, but to acting was because I truly wanted to be anybody but me. Like, I didn't want the life that I had because it was pretty horrible. I mean, I was, you know, surrounded by luxury, all those things. It wasn't that. Did you have siblings? Were you in a, in a, a parents were together? So my parents divorced when I was five. I have one older brother. And then um, I have two half sisters and a half brother. So um, you're, you're one, of, one, of your, one of your parents got remarried. Both of them did. Both of them got remarried. And yeah. who did you immediately live with in Greenwich? Um, it was my biological mother because back then in a divorce, children always went to live with the biological mother. It wasn't, it was never a toss up back then. <laughs> it wasn't a choice. Um, and so when I got into musical theater and understood that like for all of the hours that I was practicing or performing, I got to be somebody else. It was very intoxicating. And so I just kept doing more and more and more. And when I was, you know, 16, I was at, at you know, three to four practices for different shows per day. Um, now, did you know, somebody in your family theatrical, like did someone have a, a, an acting background or are you the first? So my stepfather, who is the parent who raised me, he passed um, in 2012 of uh, brain cancer. Um, He was musical theater. Gotcha. Okay. Like on Broadway, that kind of a thing. No, he just loved it. It was like he was he was a titan of finance. He was the head of the MFA Association. Like he was a titan of finance. And um, but music was his passion. And, you know, every time we would have these like massive parties at our house, there would always be somebody playing the grand piano and like you know, all these Broadway performers singing. He was a huge benefactor to Broadway. He always donated a ton of money to Broadway, Broadway cares to all of those things. So we always had, you know, I went to see a show like every other week, probably. Um, And that was another nice thing about being so close to Manhattan and Connecticut is that you could do that. I mean, we even had high school trips to go see musicals. Um, Can you sing? I didn't realize you can sing. (laughs) That was my entry into acting was I was a singer. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard you sing. Why am I doing Carver Call, woman, when you got the voice? You got a set of pipes and I'm the one doing karma call, mama. Well, it's it's because you do it so well, Megan. We can share it. Um, so I was a singer like that's what I was. And back back all those decades ago, since I'm ancient, um, when you sang, you didn't have to act. And you barely had to dance. I did dance because musical theater does have some, but like, honestly, like the leading lady or the ingenue was always kind of like in front, kind of like moving, not really doing the dances. <laughs> so I was a singer. Um, and I actually went to Cornell because it was the only Ivy. I was, it was made abundantly clear to me that I had to go to an Ivy League school or else it would not be paid for, which again, so fortunate to have college paid for, but that was the deal. Um, it was Ivy or Lucky out. you're smart too, because I don't think it would have gotten into. Cornell. It worked my 
butt <laughs> off my whole life. I worked so hard and it, it's so funny to like work so hard to go to a good school, graduate at the top of your class to be a yoga teacher. But <laughs> I figured out why. But um, yeah, so I went to Cornell because it was the only Ivy with an undergraduate musical theater program. My freshman year, they cut it out. And I was like, uh, what am I supposed to do? And they're like, well, you should just act. And I was like, but I don't, that's not that what? <laughs> so I had to learn how to act if I wanted to keep performing. So I did. Um, and Cornell had this amazing theater program they still do where they hire um, six, what they call RPTAs, which is resident professional teaching assistants who are all equity actors equity association is the professional actors stage association it was all equity actors who would come in and so they would do most of the parts in the plays but the students could get like a couple and if you got them you got equity points so then you could get your equity card which is huge i know like people who aren't in the acting world don't get it but like it's a really hard thing to get and so i graduated with an equity card which was unreal because i got in the shows which was amazing and then i went to um bada in london for a semester where i got to learn your dagger, which was so cool, and perform with Royal Shakespeare Company. Um, and then my senior year, they did Cornell Theater did a musical so that I could sing. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, um, which was awesome. We did the Coconuts, which is the Marx Brothers musical. It's amazing. Um, so oh, I want to was- see these. Can we see these somewhere? Or I, I mean, guess. it's theater. I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, I have- it was a different time, yeah. too, right? There was no, there wasn't yeah. Instagram. Yeah, I know. People weren't recording performances on their phones. Okay, but so like, how'd you end <laughs> yeah. up in the ones that we actually can see on the on the sofa? Oh, so then I got to New York, and I was like, I'm gonna go be on Broadway. I'm gonna be musical theater. Blah blah blah. And I get to New York, and every an- manager and agent that I met with was like, "You're cute. You're young, and you're blonde. You're going to be on screen. Theater doesn't pay." And I was like, uh, but that's not real acting. Um, and, and I just, but they wouldn't send me out for theater because it didn't make them money. So, um, so I started booking, you know, films immediately, commercials, TV, soap operas a lot. Um, as you guys know, I was on and off as the world turns for 10 years. Um, I was actually on the very last episode that they had, which was kind of cool because it was the first soap opera ever, like back when they were on the radio and sponsored by soap companies, which is how soap poppers got their name um so uh so yeah I got to say that I was on the very last episode of the first soap opera ever <laughs> so because they brought back all of their like regular people for right, can one. you just brag brag for us like what were the movies what were the like I love this I'm like so like I love your past and this um, we can google so I am gonna yeah, go I'm like a tell me or I'll google can. it up A lot of it you can. Um, Yeah, I mean, I was in like small roles in like, you know, Confessions of a Shopaholic. Um, There was a movie that people always seem to find me on and like DM me called Oranges. It was like Leighton Meester and Hugh Laurie when Hugh Laurie was at the height of House. Was that what it was called? House? Yeah, that was a good show. Um, And Alice and Janney. And yeah, I mean, I got to work with unbelievable actors. It was really cool that I got to work with so many incredible people. Um, I got to work with Richard Chamberlain as a leading role in a film he was in. Like it it was really cool that I got to do what I got to do. Um, and I, you know, I obviously did Law and Order. I did um, White Collar, which was on I love that. I obviously did everybody, right? Does Law and Order. That's like the thing, right? Yeah. I mean, that is like your New York, like if you haven't done Law and Order, you are not a New York actor. Period. Full stop. Like you don't count yet. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely did. I think the only time I ever agreed to do extra work was for Sex in the City because I just wanted to be on Sex in the City. And I was like, whatever. And, you know, they, they put me in this like stunning gold gown with like ridiculous, you know, amazing shoes. And I was like, sure, cool, whatever. <laughs> I don't need a line. Um, so when are you going to get Sarah Jessica Parker on the show? That's <laughs> I know, right? Because I like met her in the bathroom. I gave her toilet paper. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Those were all so ridiculous. She always needed help. <laughs> um, which naturally, I mean, it's kind of like your wedding day when you're wearing this like giant gown. It's like, how are you going to go to the bathroom by yourself? Like, really? Oh, totally. My <laughs> sister used to be an NBC page. And like one of her claims to fame is that she, Kim Kardashian was trying to zip her dress back up over her like gigantic booty. And she was like, can you help me? And my sister's like, I literally like pushed Kim's ass back into her dress. It was the coolest thing. I'm like, well, you know, a, a girl can dream. You know? That's awesome. <laughs> That's super cool. All right. So what happened? So the casting couch is real. You know, we had that amazing episode with Michelle Hurd where she talked about, you know, her Cosby experience and uh, some other experiences. And like, that was very definitely my experience. When I had like the week I graduated from Cornell, I got called in for um, an HBO movie and um, I was up for the leading role of it. And I made it to the final callback and producer session. And I got a call from my agent and she said, um, the producer and the team would really like to go to dinner with you to discuss the contract. And I was, you know, still living in Connecticut. I was like doing backflips, like of excitement. Like, is this real? Is this how, like, and I show up and it's just the producer. And, um, and I was like, where's Dave, the casting director, where is so-and-so? And he was like, yeah, it's just me tonight. They couldn't make it. And like, he kept like trying to get me to drink more, which I was like, you know, I'm an actress. I can't have that many calories. Um, <laughs> and so by the end of the, when we like left that night, um, I got in the cab and he tried to get in with me. And um, if it hadn't been for a really amazing, awesome cab driver, like I don't know what would have happened. Like the cab driver had to physically get him out, like off of me. Um, and that was like my first experience. And, you know, it's one thing to like shove one under the rug, but it happens all the time and it happens over and over and over again. And, you know, I, I consider myself very lucky not to have like been arrested for punching someone <laughs> because before yoga, I had a seriously short fuse for anger. Um, so I, I, you know, I think I'm very lucky on that sense. Um, but, you know, obviously all the work I did, I got it from auditioning and, you know, from earning it. But there were many, many roles that I could have gotten had I decided to go the other way, which was just never going to be okay for me. Pre-Cosby, pre-Me Too. So what happens in that moment? Do you call your agent and say, like, guess what happened? Like, are there any repercussions in that moment? Well, that agent, that was the last time I spoke to her because she was like, you stupid girl. Why didn't you? Yeah, she was like, you just blew your chance to be a starring role in an HBO movie. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, and I switched agencies right away. Wow, Heidi. But it's just like, that stuff is real. Yeah, and it really, really got to me. And then, um, like, fast forward many years, and, you know, I was so lucky to be a working actress. I actually never had to take a waitressing job. Like, I consider myself so lucky. Um, But but then when it got to a point where – like one day there was a knock on my door and it was an architect and I was living in like the unicorn apartment in the West village with like a giant terrace, you know, like unicorn apartment. And um, there was an architect at the door and he was like, Oh, the landlord didn't tell you I was coming. And I was like, Nope. 
He was like, okay, but you know that we're gutting the building in two weeks. And I was like, sure didn't <laughs> to take one of Jamie's phrases. Sure didn't. And, and, um, and at the time my husband, I don't even remember if we were married at the time, but I, I think we were. Yeah. And Alex grew up in Manhattan and I never actually kind of got the lay of the land because I got married very young. You know, I met Alex the summer I graduated college and I never really had to pay attention to New York real estate because I like lucked into this first apartment on Bleecker and 7th that I lived with with two of my high school best friends. And then Alex and I moved into the other apartment in the building. Like, And so I panicked and was going for square footage and wound up on 50th and 10th. On 50th and 10th, um, there I was an actress, so I had to change all the time for auditions, right? So New York Sports Club had locations everywhere at the time. So I was a member of New York Sports Club, so I could change into this wig, this contact. Like, you literally had to put on, like, blue contacts, brown wig, you know, dress like a hooker, dress like a law and order lawyer, dress like, and like every, so I always needed to change. So New York sports club was my hub and I was a gym rat because I needed to be thin for roles. And I um, Googled the closest sports club to my new address and um, it was on 47th and Broadway. So for people who don't know New York, when you hit the West side midtown, those avenues are three city blocks. They are so big. So 10th to 9th, 9th to 8th, 8th to 7th, 7th to Broadway and down three blocks. And I was like, this is, I'm never going to the gym in February, like not ever. So I Googled gym in my zip code and a yoga studio came up on my block. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like everybody always tells me to try this stupid yoga thing. It seems so lame. You know, Christine, like you mentioned, like, I don't really want to breathe and stretch. I don't, you know? So I looked at the schedule and I looked for the most advanced class they had. Cause obviously that was the one for me. If I wanted to like get a calorie burn on, <laughs> and, um, it like the, it was like level 900 with like arm balances, inversions, core work, sweaty, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, cool. That's for me. I I, never having been to a yoga class in my life, I like stroll into the studio and I'm like, cool, this is okay. All right. I got you nag champa incense. Okay. And, And, um, halfway through this class, I was dripping in sweat and like euphoric and this teacher, like I lucked into an epic first teacher because she was so encouraging and she was just like calling out inversions and arm balances left and right. And it never occurred to me that I couldn't do them because I didn't have a, I didn't know I shouldn't be able to, do you know what I mean? Like it, I didn't have like somebody being like, Oh, this is hard. Okay. This is a really advanced move. It was just like, no, do this now do this now do this. And I was like, cool, cool. And like, I was just so happy. And I was like, all right, what is this? How do I get more of it in my life? They had a new person special back then, three months unlimited for $180. Signed up. And I went sometimes three times a day. Like I would leave set because on the so uh, on any set, you have like hours and hours and hours where you're you've been on and then you wait for like 10 hours and then you go on again and and they redo your hair and makeup anyway before you go on again. So I would literally leave set, take a yoga class and go back. Um, and I just, I, I just loved it so much. And I kept coming back and then there was a summer and everybody after class, so many people would come up to me and be like, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And I was 
so uncomfortable. I'd be like, I'm not a teacher. I'm not qualified to tell you that. Like, why are you asking me? I can't, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a teacher. But Heidi, did you have like any kind of an athletic background? Like how did fitness play into your life before this? (laughs) I mean, I was an, like all of us were athletes growing up, right? Like we all played sports when you're growing up and, you know, in high school, I mean, I, I played a lot of sports, but But like you were a body person, like movement was already in your body. I mean, I would spend like an hour on the elliptical and then I would take like a total body toning class for another hour and call it a day. Like I was, but I wouldn't say like, I I will say that I, I, um, after, because of Cornell without the musical theater program, I really did lose the ability to have step retention for dance. And then when I got to New York, I went to Broadway Dance Center, so excited to take like the open level Broadway class. And you guys, it's all like professional, professional, professional dancers at the top of their game in these like basic beginner and open level classes. And they do like a whole routine once and they're like, okay, go. And you're, and I would sit there and just be like, so like I didn't dance (laughs) at all anymore because it was just really like defeating to go to those classes but anyway uh so so like that's like as much movement as I had like really for years I was just a gym rat because the less I weighed the more parts I got it was like a direct correlation I was a walking skeleton booking the crap out of everything I auditioned for so is it that everyone kept coming to you asking if you're you know questions and you're like I'm not a teacher I'm not a teacher so let me be a teacher no well I just I mean I'd always because of that yes Christine I had it in my head that like if the opportunity ever arose I would take a teacher training just to deepen my knowledge about yoga because I just wanted to know more. I wanted to know everything. I wanted to know the philosophy. I wanted to know why. I wanted to know that the first studio I went to had something called Dharma Talk at the beginning, which like nobody does anymore. But back then, a lot of people did where they would sit and talk to the class back when classes were 90 minutes um, for like, you know, five, 10 minutes about one of the yoga sutras or a yoga belief. And, um, and then thread it through the flow. So you would get these like tiny little bits and pieces of yoga philosophy, and they all really spoke to me. And um, and one of the ones that really, really, really spoke to me at the beginning was right after coming back to you, Megan, I had just done an episode of Law and Order called Smile. And the episode opened on a full screen of my smile and then zoomed out. Um, and I had also within that month booked a, I can never remember if it was Colgate or Crest commercial, but like those things, I don't know what they pay now, but that was like a year's earning. Like that commercials that were nationally run were like unreal what you got paid. And so I booked those two things like very close to one another, maybe within like a week and a half of each other. And I get a call from my manager who I love. I still to this day have a wonderful relationship with her, but she, I pick up the phone. I'm like, hello. And she was like, have you ever considered gum surgery? And I was like, no, why? And she was like, I'm just looking at your smile and your headshot. It's very gummy. And I'm like, I just made you so much money off of that smile. Like, and in that, like about that same week, I sat through a Dharma talk at that yoga studio and in acting as is evidenced by that call, you are never enough. You're never thin enough, fat enough, short enough, tall enough, pretty enough, ugly enough. It doesn't matter. You're not enough all the time. That is the repeated message in the entertainment industry is change who you are. And I sat through a Dharma talk that week where the teacher 
was talking about the yogic philosophy, which is founded on you are enough, exactly the way you are. The universe created you to be perfect. And your job is to remember that. You don't need to change anything about you. There's no effort required. You are perfect. You are a perfect being. When you shifted to explain that part of the story, your entire energy shifted with it. Like something about you literally changed in this last moment when you started telling that part of your story. And it's almost like I watched the point in your life in which your entire energy shifted direction. Yeah, it's, it's yoga grounds me. And I think that maybe is what you feel. Um, Because when I can talk about that and remember that, it grounds me every time I say it. Um, I, there was a time when I was teaching CrossFlow X at Boutique Fitness in New York, and I ended every single class with that because it, that, that message can't be heard enough. And, you know, people only hear things when they're ready to hear it. So maybe one person's ready one day, one person's ready the next day and so on and so forth. And, um, that message is just so important for everybody to hear. And that's, was the moment that started the pivot. Um, and then there were, there was a summer where three months, uh, three films in a row. So like I had the next six months booked and three films in a row. I think it was like one of the financial crises, um, lost funding. And so they were completely unrelated films, but I lost my next six months of booked work. And I was, and it just so happened that that was the week, all of the teacher trainings in New York were starting. And, um, so I went to each studio of the pe- of my favorite teachers where they had done their trainings to like check them all out. And I walked into Laughing Lotus with Dana Flynn, cause she's the one who leads those trainings. And, um, and I'd never taken her class before. I'd never stepped foot in Lotus before. And halfway through her class, I was like sobbing. I was like, this is it. And I walked up to her after class and she took one look at me and she goes, you want to do the teacher training, don't you? And I was like, yep. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to give you a scholarship. And I was like, <laughs> like, it was just so, so many things aligned. And that teacher training, they give you one community class um, after your training is over, which is a free class that people can give donations to. And the donation goes to a foundation. It doesn't go to you. Um, it goes to a, a, a good cause. And um, a lot of my teacher friends had the owners of their studios come take my community class. And um, I got hired that day for like weekend classes, which, by the way, are like prime time because as a yoga teacher, you get paid by the head. Obviously, more people can go on the weekends. (laughs) And I was only willing to work on the weekends at that point because I was still acting full time. And you don't they don't shoot on the weekends because of unions. Um, Were you at Lotus teaching? Well, well, I started at Kula a little bit. That was like my home studio. Um, and uh, I actually taught there before I was a teacher, which was like, you know me, I like to follow rules. I don't like to break them. And um, and one of my teachers was like, Heidi, you know my class by heart. Like, because he taught the same class every single time. Um, and I knew like every word of his script. Like he would go to the bathroom and it'd be a joke. He'd be like, Heidi, take over. And I could literally take over uh, like where he was in his script. So I taught there a little bit first, um, but there was a studio called Mango Yoga, which was all Lotus teachers, but it was uh, like Midtown East. 
and it was a lovely little studio. And then I kept getting all these opportunities for yoga dropped into my lap. And um, I want us to get to Crossflow X. So fast forward us to like where, how we got to this like very, because for anyone who hasn't taken it before, it is like nothing I had ever done before. And it is special. Thanks. <laughs> and there's something for every, so like, not just to think like, oh, you know, Christine loves cardio. She's a runner. I, that your cross flow is not for me because there is something for everybody in, in your app. Well, that's the app. Yeah. As opposed that's to cross flow. I'm, I'm talking about yeah. cross flow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So cross flow yoga is the app. I yes. know it's confusing. Cross flow <laughs> X is the class I created. Um, I was at Strala, very happily at Strala. I had made this shift to be full-time yoga teacher, um, thanks to a little encouragement from Tara Stiles, um, who had given me some really good words of wisdom about how much I hated acting and this yoga thing seemed to be working and maybe you shouldn't try to fight so hard for the thing you think you should do that you don't like. Maybe you should take the easy road. And I was like, that's lazy. And she was like, yep, that's what Deepak said to me. (laughs) It was, it was a whole thing. Um, But so I was at Strala. Strala did a video series. Sorry. uh, Shape Magazine did a video series with me and Tara and Tara's husband, Mike, who was the co-owner of Strella. And I was running it at the time. And they did a video series with the three of us called Yoga Anywhere, where we went all over the city and just did yoga in like the coolest places ever. And it was pouring one of the days that I shot. And so we just like popped into a bar to see if the rain would abate. And I was like, hey, it's a pool table. Let's do yoga on the pool table. <laughs> it's like so funny. It was a great series. It was really fun. Like I'd press up handstands and a bus stop. And like, you know, it's like what Instagram is now. You were doing it ahead you're ahead of time way ahead of Instagram yeah (laughs) so um so I got hired by shape to do their very first yoga blog on shape.com they didn't have yoga content because it wasn't considered fitness back then and um and so I did a weekly uh blog for shape for their dot com And, um, you know, I was doing it for years and years and there's only so many times with, with fitness magazines, you know, it's true that your yoga content has to have a fitness spin or a weight loss spin or a, there's always a spin, right. That has to make it relevant to their audience. You got to package it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Editor in chief. (laughs) So yeah. So we wound up doing a a series of yoga mashups for, for one of the video shoots I did. Um, and we would, you know, we'd shoot like 10 videos and for the next 10 weeks we had content. Um, so we did a yoga mashup shoot and one of them was yoga I always mess this up Tabata 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 it was um, created by Azumi Tabata a Japanese researcher and a and that's where the protocol comes from. yes and they believe that you can get a full workout in eight minutes time yep right 2010 yep. yeah 20 minutes on 20 seconds on 10 seconds off 20 seconds and it's it's like you do four things and you repeat them and then you move on to the next four and then, so it's a whole formula but since I was doing a yoga mashup instead of just resting for 10 seconds I did a restorative yoga pose for 10 seconds after say a mountain climber and pigeon was my nemesis and when I was shooting this I did a mountain climber and moved into a pigeon and I was like oh that was the best pigeon of my life. It felt so good. Oh my God. Cause my body was so tired from, cause you know, you work extra hard on camera because people will do like 50% of whatever you do on camera. So you have to go so much bigger to get people to like, maybe get up to what I you want think them to you do. You have this acting background. Yeah. Oh, it's full circle. <laughs> yeah. It's every, 
somebody in the fitness industry, when I shoot videos, calls me the one take wonder. And I'm like, that is the soap opera training. It is boot camp for actors. You do not get a second take or you are fired. <laughs> but I have to say too, Heidi, even whether it's your acting career or when, it, you know, when you are taking a yoga class or any kind of class that you have to listen to someone's voice for more than five minutes, that gets in your head. And that is something that really motivates somebody to go and to work out. And you just have, I don't know, maybe it's the acting, maybe it's just you, but you have this way of just not, you're making it fun and you don't even realize you're working out and you're sweating. And before you know it, your class is done, but there's something to be said about having a pleasant, upbeat, happy, positive voice in your head. When someone's saying like, you know, do this, do that, do this. And you want to be like, screw you. This hurts. <laughs> so it's, it, 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 it's true. It's all, it's all such a perfect package, but I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. And it's it's interesting because there was a whole piece of my yoga career when I first started teaching where you're supposed to talk like this and really slow and you're not supposed to smile. And like, I'm even like speaking faster than you're supposed to right now because it would take too long. Um, but, and I tried to be somebody I was not. And I was like, this sucks. I don't like it. And then once I finally permissioned myself to be me, like that's when everything worked. Um, but so wait, what were we talking? Oh, cross flow acts. Oh yeah. So that Tabata uh, mashup, I was getting at the time, you know, it was just a time and a place in the yoga scene for me. Like I, it was amazing. I was getting offers left and right to leave Strala to go elsewhere. They were like, whatever they pay you, we'll triple it. We'll do this. We'll do that. Like it, it was just at the time I was a very in-demand teacher before children, all the things. Um, and, but I was really happy. Like Strala was easy, you know, like I knew it. I helped build the formula. Like it was easy. Um, but then a studio reached out to me. And like I said, I mean, I was getting so many offers. Like I didn't even open the emails. I would like delete them. Like that's how many I was getting. And for some reason, I opened one of the emails and I actually read it even through the part that said it was an offer to, to, to go somewhere else. And, um, and then for whatever reason, again, I clicked on the video link that they had sent me, which I, I just didn't do. <laughs> and, um, it was right after, um, my stepfather had passed. And again, he was the person who raised me. He was responsible for me being who I am. He always knew what I needed well before I did very annoyingly. So, but he was always right. Um, and, uh, this remember I lost him to brain cancer and this studio was donating $1 per person per class back to brain cancer research. And I saw that and like, you know, it's like full body chills. Like you try not to cry. You're like, and I sat down with my really good friend, Jessica Ortner at the time, who we also interviewed on our podcast. And she was like, Heidi, you told me that he always knew what you needed before you did. This isn't him telling you it's time to do your own thing and step out of someone else's shadow. Like, um, I can't help you. And it was, you know, it was a real moment and it was really emotional and it was all the things. And they wanted me to create a class um, for them. And I thought back to that shape mashup. And I was like, well, there's so there's something to that, something to working yourself so hard that your body like permissions itself to let go into the more flexibility poses. And so that's how Crossflux is born. I added Kundalini Kriyas because they're also very physically demanding. Kundalini is the oldest form of yoga. But if you didn't know what it was, you might think you were doing a hit. Um, so, so that's how Crosslux was born. And it was so amazing because I created it as, as, um, a class for yogis who needed cardio, but because it was in the boutique fitness setting, what it ended up being was yoga for people like for, for fitness people. 
It was basically what you were looking for when you first went to yoga. It was like what you were craving is what you ended up creating. And I can't believe we're running out of time, Heidi, but I got to say that like I met you, I went to go take Heidi's Cross Pillow X class and I was like super pregnant. And I was like, I'll just take this little yoga class. That shit is hard. It is so good. It is such a good class. And so, of course, I just, I, we need to, we need to get to your app because before we end, we got to get to what it gave birth to and your purpose. Yeah. No, thank you. So I was on so many different apps and like, you can't ever do what you want because it's not yours. And it's like, whatever's clickbaity, blah, blah, blah. One of the things we didn't talk about was that I was in a horrible car accident when I was 18, permanently damaged my neck spine, all the things. Through yoga, it's a whole other episode. I was able to heal my spine. I have before and after scans. It's not like me making it up in my head. It's, there is scientific hard proof that my spine, my cervical spine went from being completely straight with herniations to having the full curvature back with no herniations. So yoga's healing powers were always very, very, very important to me. And I always wanted to do yoga for sciatica, yoga for this, yoga for that, you know, all these, like, I had the great pleasure and opportunity to work with amazing surgeons and doctors to help me create these programs that, you know, heal your body through yoga. Um, And so it was always, I wanted so much to do that. So when I had the opportunity to create my own app, I knew CrossFlow X had to be on it, but I also wanted something that I now call CrossFlow RX, which is your yoga prescription for specific things to heal specific conditions. And everyone in the CrossFlow RX section is done in conjunction with a doctor with their stamp of approval of every move in there. Um, And as to, and it explains why it's good for that condition and, so many other things. Um, you know, of course, it has crossflow P for pre-postnatal, crossflow V for vinyasa, Z for anything that helps you sleep. That includes meditation and breath work and, you know, slower flows. Um, but it was just really important to me to have those things, mainly crossflow X and crossflow RX available to a wide audience. Because what I got to see with crossflow X is all these people would come up to me like sweaty red faces after class and be like, uh, 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 you like could barely talk and they'd be like, I thought I hated yoga. I've always hated yoga, but this was the best class ever. And it wound up being like a doorway for people into this practice that changed my life on every level. You guys, it changed my life on every level, physically, mentally, spiritually, it saved me. And it wound up being a doorway to every, so many people that were so closed off to it because they thought that it was stretching and boring. And some of those people went on to be teachers, by the way, of yoga, not cross flow. I mean, some of them were cross flow too, but you know, so that's why I created the app was to make that type of yoga more available to as many people as possible. Cause yoga teaches us all so many things and it teaches us how to be strong from the inside and how we are on the mat is how we are off the mat a hundred percent of the time. So you practice how you want to live on your mat and that lets you live the life of your dreams off the mat. Since we're running short on time, let's get right to the karma call, Heidi, because this, I, I need your karma call, girl. Megan, are you going to say it? No, yes. I, now that I know you're a singer, <laughs> let me hear those pipes. Could you shout it out? Could you sing it? Do it. I need sing it. Sing it on I our need... podcast. Karma call. Yes. <laughs> really? Just, you Heidi know. just pulled like a union moment. She's like, I'm not singing. I'm union. <laughs> like, no, sorry. You Megan to- says it. Better. No, it, I'm gonna like pretend it's my it, birthday and make you sing happy birthday to me. Okay, some shit. Like, that I'll I need do. to hear you sing now. <laughs> 
No. So what I would say my karma call would be is, gosh, there's so many things, but three deep breaths will change your life really and truly. Inhale through the nose, exhale out the mouth three times. Anytime that you feel tight, angry, whatever. We just both did it, Megan. No, it does. It's true. Sometimes you forget to breathe. Sometimes I catch myself just... I don't know why, but I'm not breathing. <laughs> People forget to breathe. And and if you can take the moment for yourself to take three breaths, it takes less than a minute, it will change your whole day and it will change your whole life. So do it. Yay. Breathe. Breathe, people. I love you, Heidi. We love you. That was awesome. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in at home. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast everywhere podcasts are consumed. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time.